You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 871 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. Coming to you live on a Tuesday evening into Wednesday morning. It was a very, very busy day for the Atlanta Hawks. In fact, though, it ended a little bit earlier than we kind of thought. I thought I'd be recording this podcast after midnight. It's actually about 10.45 p.m., so there you go on that front. But at the end of the day, the Hawks will be landing Bogdan Madanovic on a four-year deal worth $72 million. And we'll talk much more about that in the coming moments on the podcast. And also, this is sort of a cap to a complete frenzy over the last seven days from the NBA draft last Wednesday all the way through free agency with Danilo Gallinari, Rajon Rondo, Chris Dunn, and now Bodanovich joining the Hawks. And on today's show, we'll discuss the events of today, culminating on Bodanovich's now official contract, as well as latest on Rondo, Gallinari, the roster, how it looks at this point in time, and much, much more. But before we get to that, I want to tell you about our sponsor on today's podcast, and the first one is Built Bar. If you are a regular listener to the podcast, you will undoubtedly know that I love Built Bar, and Built Bar is fantastic for everybody trying to be health conscious, as well as people that really just enjoy great flavor. And uh, fortunately, Built Bar is both of those things, and I really, really love Built Bar. I've been talking about Built Bar for a long time on this podcast. Honestly, it's because I really, really enjoy the product. It's great for those of us on the go all the time. I rarely have time to make food or pick up food and all this stuff. And Built Bar is great. Just grab and go and always fills in the cravings as well as providing that nutritional value that's so, so important when you want to be uh, making sure that you're trying to lose weight or at least maintain weight during, uh, especially during holiday seasons. And in fact, holiday season is now approaching. And if you're dreaming of a white Christmas this time around, Built Bar, beginning on Thanksgiving Day at 5 p.m., has a Black Friday deal for all of our listeners. And they're introducing a new product with white chocolate bars. There are two flavors of those, white chocolate cookies and cream, as well as white chocolate salted caramel. Both have 130 calories, which is very, very nice, as well as 17 grams of protein. And if you order, you get two free Candy Kang brownie bars with every single item purchased, and those are also healthy and delicious. For all of this stuff, 25% off all products all weekend long. Go to BuiltBar.com. Again, 25% off for Black Friday deals with the promo code LOCKED+. Plus, don't forget to use the promo code to get an extra percent off. So, check it all out at promo code LOCKED, BuiltBar.com. For all of their products and all of these new products, check it all out at BuiltBar.com. So it was definitely a long day on Tuesday as we sort of dive into the podcast here. Um, the Bogdanovich twists and turns were wild. There were multiple outlets in the over the weekend, including the Sacramento Bee and other places, reporting that 1 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday would be the deadline for the Kings to match the offer sheet. And I, I get why that happened, and I went off of that too, so I, I could have been better at finding that out myself. But without being boring uh, on, on the podcast, the CBA says two days as the descriptor, uh, sorry, the, the descriptor of what's going to be happening in terms of how long the team has to match an offer sheet. And with no further detail, I assumed 48 hours. I think a lot of people did as well and went off of that reporting. So not an, I'm not an expert on the CBA, but that was a mess up by all parties involved. So uh, unfortunately, that was not that was the case. In terms of impact, though, it doesn't actually matter. Uh, we are very confident, at least I am, that the Hawks and Kings knew this in the entire time. So no real impact on the on the machinations. Just a longer waiting game for observers on the outside. I know a lot of Hawks fans asking me and asking Chris Kirschner and Sarah Spencer and Kevin Chenard for uh, information on this. We didn't have any more to share with you. But finally, 
early in the evening on Tuesday, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN broke the silence with word that Bogdanovich would be coming to the Hawks because the Kings elected not to match the four-year, $72 million offer sheet. Broadly speaking, this evaporates the cap space for the Hawks. We'll touch on the roster later on, but we've been talking about cap space for a long time on this podcast, um, just because that was a very natural thing to discuss for a rebuilding team that had flexibility and all that stuff. But now, after all that, it's all gone, uh, both for this year, essentially, and also likely for 2021 as well, which we'll dive into a little bit later on, both in this show and in future shows. But that is now the case, as well as the fact that the roster is currently full, at least for the regular season. Now, you're allowed to carry 20 players in the offseason, but the season is now so close within a week or so from from training camp starting that the Hawks are now pretty much full with the roster. Now, they could make trades, all that stuff, but for now... 15 players under contract plus two two ways, and we'll dive into that as well. But um, very interesting. So this this is this definitely could be the capper on the offseason in a lot of ways. So I have discussed Bogdanovich on the podcast the last few shows in a row, frankly. But if you're a new listener, welcome to the podcast, and I'll sort of refresh my thoughts for you real quickly here on this contract and on Bogdanovich as a player. I think four for 72 is perfectly fine. I will say that a player option that he got as part of this, as well as the trade kicker, make it a little bit less palatable for Atlanta. I think it's probably a touch high for what he is as a 28-year-old. At the same time, it is is a perfectly fine deal for Atlanta. I thought and said on yesterday's podcast and also on today on Twitter that the Kings should match the offer. Now, I wasn't rooting for that necessarily. It's just one of those things where I'm just putting myself in their shoes as someone who covers the entire NBA for other platforms. I think the Kings should have matched. They didn't. I stand by thinking that, but alas, the Hawks profit, profit, profit off of that as they uh, get Bogdanovich on their team instead of going back to Sacramento. It's not as if 4-72 is a grand heist, though, for the Hawks. It does fit perfectly, though, with the rest of their offseason, which is definitely important to uh, remember. You know, I'm guilty of this as well, but you can't necessarily just evaluate every single transaction on its own. You can to some extent, but there is a, a sort of a, a cohesive plan here. And where the Hawks were, it did make a lot of sense with the rest of their moves with Gallinari, with Rondo, with Dunn, etc. To kind of have this one, this one more big swing on a free agent for the amount of money that they had. And that was Bogdanovich, and he was the last guy, as I said yesterday, there was really nobody else to pay for the Hawks. So this is kind of their last stand on this free agency class. If they didn't get him, they would have had that roster spot open with some flexibility to be sure, but nobody else to actually pay in free agency. So we don't have to worry about that now at this point in time, but uh, it was sort of it was clearly sort of a plan from Travis Schlenk that was executed all the way through uh, and all the way through the last week or so. So broadly speaking, Bogdanovich is the team's best wing right now. Obviously, I think the Hawks are hoping that someone like Reddish, for instance, overtakes him in the next year or two, makes a big leap. But right now, today, Bogdanovich is the best wing on the team. He is better than Reddish. He is better than Herder. He is better than Hunter at this moment in time. Now, that doesn't mean he's a superstar because he's not, but he's a very, very good player. Um, he brings up another good shooter. He brings up another guy who can create for himself off the dribble, also pass to other people. He's sort of a, a very strong secondary creator. Again, a great floor spacer. Um, defensively, he's also not as good as he is on offense. But unlike Gallinari, for instance, I think, um, who is a pretty below-average defender, but not just mostly fine on defense. He isn't a game-changer by any means, but he has pretty good size, 6'6", 220. He has long arms. He competes. I think he's a decent playmaker, steals guy, has the ability to get deflections. So I think he's not a huge minus defensively, which is worth noting. And offensively, he is quite good. He is quite fun as well. He can run a pick-and-roll. He's a creative scorer, has an in-between game as well, with, you know, some floater stuff. Good, good catch-and-shoot guy, good spot-up guy. And again, just kind of a floor spacer, if nothing else. He's, he's more talented than that. He's not just a pure shooter. But the Hawks didn't did need more guys who can who can space the floor as well as create for themselves. And Bogdanovich is a good, good player 
on that side of the floor. So again, this is a very, very nice addition for Atlanta. That's the best way that I can put it. He's like a top 100 player or so in the NBA. Again, not going to be a star. He is 28. You're getting him for four years, or at least for three years. The player option is dangling out there. So if he's still good after three years, you might want to opt out. That's a long way away. But regardless, um, Bogdanovich is going to help the Hawks. He makes them notably better right now today. And you can certainly debate you know, a couple years from now how much better he will be than some of the young guys. But right now, when clearly the Hawks are trying to, are trying to make, make the playoffs for next season, he is an upgrade on what they had. And again, the last thing I want to say one more time is that he was kind of the last gaps in free agency. They could have traded for someone, etc. But he was their one big swing that they had remaining on the uh, – on the uh, profile, so there he is. He's coming, and he will help the Hawks on offense while also sort of not killing them in any way, shape, or form on defense. So that's a very, very nice player and one of the better phrases that they possibly could have signed this offseason. Okay, we have more to come, to be sure, with regard to Madonovich and Gallinari and Rondo and other stuff on the podcast. But before we get to all of that, I want to stop again and hear from our sponsors on today's show. Again, I remind you that I've been talking about Bogdanovich for the last few shows, so it wasn't just this one. If you're a new listener, I would encourage you to go back in the archive of the last week or so plus to hear about all my thoughts on Bogdanovich and other stuff that's been happening. I don't want to go through all that stuff again on this podcast, but there's your reminder. Also, the Hawks announced the signing of Gallinari today. It actually wasn't a signing at all. It was the acquisition because they acquired Gallinari in cash considerations from the Thunder in exchange for a conditional 2025 second round pick and a sign-and-trade transaction on Tuesday. Now, for the Hawks, this one doesn't do anything in terms of impact. It's the same contract. None of that stuff is changing. It's essentially a heavily protected, most likely a very fake pick in 2025 to Oklahoma City for some cash that the Hawks can put in their pockets. And also, the real reason to do this is to sort of curry some favor with Oklahoma City. Um, as a reminder, Schlenk and Sam Presti, who is the GM of the Thunder, have been doing trades for a while together. There's some rapport there, I'm sure, and Oklahoma City wants to get a, a uh, trade exception, so the Hawks are doing them a favor, make some cash out of it, and there you go on that. But with regard to that announcement, when uh, Gallinari was announced by the team, I wanted to read the quote to you that Travis Schlenk gave as part of the release, and he said the following about Gallinari, and I quote, Danilo checks a lot of boxes for what we have prioritized. We wanted to add productive veterans and high-level shooting to our group, and he provides both. At his size, he's one of the league's most versatile and effective, sorry, most versatile and efficient scorers, and he has proven to be the type of veteran you want in your locker room. End quote. So there you go on that. No big surprises there. Uh, by the way, there was a, a rumor, I guess, flying around from the, uh, I believe it started on Reddit. People were asking me about. I will say I'm not an expert on this, but uh, I guess on Reddit, somebody posted that, that Schlenk in a call with some Hawks season ticket holders, I guess, on Tuesday, um, made mention of something with regard to Gallinari agreeing to come off the bench. Um, I've not heard that, and I will say I heard from some people that were apparently on that call that do not that, that actually dispute that account, so I'm kind of shrugging on this one. Uh, it was a member it was a member call, so I'm not allowed to be on it as a member of the media, all that to say, um, we'll see what happens there. I've been saying the entire time that starting lineups don't really matter, and I stand by that. Um, if Gallinari's come off the bench, that would be actually kind of optimal in a lot of ways for the Hawks. At the same time, he's making a lot of money. So if that does ex indeed happen, it won't surprise me. Um, I think I, w I think I have said multiple times that I would... I would guess he starts, but honestly, it wouldn't bother me at all if he came off the bench. In fact, that's probably, an you know, with Collins still on the team and all that stuff, you could argue that's a better allotment of resources to have him off the bench. It's sort of a curious thing. But again, the overall impact for me, people kept asking me about, uh, again tonight about the lineup stuff. We'll talk about it 
throughout this time, there are better fits that fit together. But for now, I'm not going to fret about lineups. But if that happens, then cool. And uh, if Gallinari's willing to come off the bench, that would definitely help in terms of flexibility. So I want to at least address that. People were asking me about it. I was not there, so I'll, I'll, be, I'll always be guessing. But there were definitely some conflicting accounts of what Schlenk said on that call. So I have no idea. And I will follow up if I have any more concrete information in the future. Um, I want a roster breakdown for you um, just for a second. As I said before at the top of the podcast, the Hawks are now pretty much full on their roster. They have 15 players under contract with Bogdanovich in the fold. They have four guys who are more guards. Of course, Trey Young, Rajon Rondo, Chris Dunn, and Brandon Goodwin. Then they have a bunch of wings. Bogdanovich, Cam Reddish, Kevin Herter, DeAndre Hunter, Tony Snell, and Skylar Mays. And by the way, Skylar Mays and Nathan Knight are both on two ways. We knew that, we knew that about Nathan Knight, but Skylar Mays, as part of an announcement today as well, the Hawks announced the contract for a Kongwu, which is already locked in. No surprises there. But Mays is on a two-way. I posited that earlier this week as a very logical option for the Hawks. Um, that way, they can have him around the team. He's making more money than normally uh, two-way guys make for this year because of this season's uh, setup. And also, um, he does not count against the salary cap or the roster. So that's kind of the best of both worlds for all parties there. And if he's willing to agree to that, which he obviously was because he signed it, that makes a ton of sense. So. Um, Maze on a two-way. So yeah, basically you have the four guards, you have you know five wings plus Maze in Bogdanovich, Reddish, Herder, Hunter, and Snell. Then you have the three guys who are more power forward types, John Collins, Gallinari, and then Solomon Hill, who they acquired earlier this week. And then up front, you have Capella, you have a Kongwu, you have Bruno Fernando, and then uh, Nathan Knight as sort of emergency guy, um, two-way option for your fourth center, who's really your fifth center because Collins can play there as well. So lots of flexibility. I know there's been all kinds of conversations, including once once the Bogdanovich thing kind of be, kind of became the center of the NBA universe today, a lot of national folks were weighing in on the Hawks in a way they don't always do, and there was lots of takes about the Hawks having too many guys and all this stuff. I talked about a little bit of this already, but I will say it's good to have depth. As I said on yesterday's podcast, there is an argument that to be had that the Hawks have too many guys in some positions that don't fit perfectly together, but I would not panic about that. It's a good problem overall, so without a put that. They could make moves for sure in the future. It wouldn't shock me if they made a trade or two in the coming days. But I also think that it's perfectly fine to roll into the season with this kind of uh, this kind of depth and talent because the Hawks do have depth in a way they just didn't have before, and that can help you, especially in the regular season. And this this year, it'll be a lot of uh, a lot of sprinting this season because of the schedule, um, more back to backs, etc. So having more depth, especially with guys like Gallinari and Rondo who are older, who might sit back to backs, there'll be minutes to go around. Obviously, somebody has to get squeezed to some degree, and that does matter. But at the same time, um, it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, on that on that front. So, um, again, the roster is full at this moment in time. Not full from an offseason standpoint, but full from a regular season standpoint. And we'll see what they end up doing. But they could certainly just do nothing else. They could be done with transactions. And I wanted to at least set the stage on that. Um, also, we got some details from contract stuff on Rondo, on Rondo and Madanovich from. Keith Smith, who uh, covers the league very well. Keith, on Tuesday morning, um, announced the fact that um, Bogdanovich's contract is going to be a flat $18 million per season. Not a huge surprise there, but that's, a, that's an important note. And on the previous show, we discussed that Bogdanovich's deal has a reported 15% trade kicker and a fourth-year player option, as, as I noted earlier on the podcast. But the flat nature of it is worth noting to plug in your imaginary cap sheets that you might have. Also, Keith reported that Rondo's deal is $7.5 million annually on a flat basis with extra bonuses. He reports that it's $750,000 per season in annual bonuses. 
I'm told by a source, actually, that bonuses are, are a combination of games played for Rondo and also the team making the playoffs. So we'll see how that goes. It shouldn't impact too much on the cap side, but there you go on that. Also, a note from Sarah Spencer of the AJC about next season, which is, by the way, again, coming up very, very quickly here. Sarah reports that the Hawks are planning to have the arena open for only a small amount of friends and family for the first few home games. But from there, they're looking to have about a 10% capacity at State Farm Arena by MLK Day in mid-January, and that's according to Steve Coonan through the AJC, AJC piece from Sarah, and that will allow for about 1,700 fans in the stands by then. So that's, that's about a month after, after the season starts. We'll see what happens there. It's very, very fluid. They will have masks mandatory with people spreading out through the arena, no one too close to the bench. I'm not sure what the media setup's going to be, as I said before on the pod, but that's the sort of latest on that front. People were asking that, as they probably should be. Uh, very excited about the Hawks right now. Want to be in the arena to watch these guys. It's all uh, dictated by the virus and all that stuff, but that's the latest on that front. And yeah, I just want to say before we get out of here for Thanksgiving and all that stuff, it is definitely a very exciting time to be a Hawks fan. Um, you know, as I've, I'm, I'm prone to saying, I'm not a pure fan in the way that I used to be by any means. Um, I am covering the team more objectively and trying to do all that, but um, it's been kind of fun to hear from Hawks fans, especially today. Um, Hawks fans are very fired up and I cannot blame them whatsoever. I am, um, I pride myself in being very even keeled and trying to be realistic and all that stuff. But at times it's cool to see people really fired up about the Hawks. You know, this is a small fan base, all things considered, at least for the market size, at least in the past it has been. And this team projects to be a playoff team now on paper. And even if I wouldn't go like too crazy about projecting anything more than that, um, it is, you know, it's part of the fun is to be thinking big and thinking uh, that this team's going to be awesome and getting fired up because it's been a long three years. I know it's only three years of no playoffs. And, you know, when I grew up as a Hawks fan, um, they were really bad for a long time um, and longer than this. At the same time, it's been weird after making the playoffs for 10 straight years and covering that team um, for the second half of that run to go into this sort of transition phase and three, and three seasons in a row where the games just didn't matter a whole lot. Now they're going to matter again. The Hawks are pretty good on paper right now. Um, obviously they have some questions. They have some fit stuff to, to work out. There's still a lot of teams in front of them in the East who are established and more proven, but the Hawks have talent. They have a star, of course, and Trey Young, that helps as well. They have depth. Um, they just have pieces that you like and a ton of possibilities as well. Lots of versatility, which is a fun thing to uh, sort of navigate, especially if you're an analyst like me trying to figure out what's going to be happening with this team. Uh, Lloyd Pierce and the coaching staff have their hands full in a good way with all kinds of options to sift through. Uh, Travis Schlenk has options as well in the future, so it's going to be extremely interesting this season, and I'm not the big rah-rah guy on this podcast most of the time, but I will just say, you know, it's cool to hear from Hawks fans, cool to read on Twitter, people really fired up about this team, and uh, keep that momentum going. Obviously, the season being closer to starting is probably good for that, that buzz to continue for the Hawks, and uh, again, this is a team that you almost have to pick for the playoffs right now. I think I'm going to pick them for the playoffs, and, uh, you know, before this week, that was not a lock. You know, I talked about this a couple weeks ago. I thought the Hawks were in a position to be sure to make themselves better, to make themselves in the playoff chase for the uh, play-in tournament and all that stuff. Now, after all of these moves, you got to say they're projected to be a playoff team. You know, maybe not, maybe not in the top four of the of the East or something crazy like that. But they, you know, my my overall takeaway would be you cannot line up eight teams in the East that are better than the Hawks on paper right now. So get fired up. It's totally cool, and I think it's an awesome thing if you. Uh, 
don't like that I don't get as fired up as you. I understand that. Trust me. I am fans of other teams um, that I don't, that I don't cover. But again, I really just enjoyed sort of the feedback that I've been getting. Um, I will always kind of be the person who holds back a little bit. That's part of my shtick, I think, at this point in time. But I will try to be level-headed for you so you don't have to be. That's part of the fun as well. So thank you for joining me uh, in this run throughout the entire offseason. It's still continuing now. The season hasn't started just yet. But we're getting to a little bit of a holiday here. So I wanted to sort of sign off on that particular note, weighing in with the uh, the frenzy that has been the last week. It's been a lot of fun, honestly. Um, I'm planning to have a podcast for Friday morning. Uh, I will not have a podcast before then unless something crazy happens. And even on, even on that one, I have an interview recorded that I'm planning to share with you then so I can still try to take a little bit of a longer break this time around. Again, I pledge to you if there's a major trade or something crazy, I will do an emergency podcast. But I'm going to try to get some break in the next few days just for uh, my own sanity before the, <laughs> before the run continues uh, into December and beyond. So keep an eye out for that. But please subscribe to the podcast. Again, most of the archive is still uh, relevant for the last few days. Lots of stuff that I've just sort of added on to, but um, please sift through that if you'd like to uh, support the podcast as well. Download, subscribe, tell your friends, rate, review, even tell your enemies, all that stuff. And also, by the way, I'll have future visits on this podcast from Harrison Fagan on Rondo, as well as Eric Horn of The Athletic on Gallinari that I've already recorded. Those will be fun. I'll, I'm sort of efforting some Kings um, personnel to come on the podcast, talk about Bogdanovich. So lots of interviews to come in the future. Again, one more time, please subscribe to the podcast. Thank you so, so much for supporting the show the last few weeks. We will see you on Friday.